Hello and welcome to Those Vicar Blokes. I'm Howell, the nerdy vicar. And I'm Dave Coaches. So, um, what have you been up to, Dave? Who done anything? I had a birthday. Did you? Yeah, I'm as old as you know. Are you? Oh, yeah. right. Okay. For a while. So, what you do for so your you birthday? So, you get older again. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, we went, we, we had um, two nights of it. Oh, two, right. two nights. We had takeaway on my birthday last week, which was on the Thursday, because we recorded early, didn't we, last yeah, week? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so, that was nice. Chinese. Yeah. That was good. Um, I'm got a new sofa that day as well. Oh yeah, I had an argument with my brother. That was fun. <laughs> um, so all that happened on the Thursday, and then on the Friday night we went out to um, the All in One on Park Street, which is just the last shop before you come into the Kaz Zone if you approach from the right angle. The Kaz Zone. Yeah, you know the um. The congestion charge. Oh, that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So is your car cas free then? Is it or is it no? Our bigger one that fits us all in is not cas free. Ah. The smaller one that is, um, you know, an old tatty one liter petrol effort. Oh yeah. That is cas free, but we had to take the bigger car, so I had to approach from the right angle, and I had to turn around on Park Street not to. Past the sign. My lad had to pay that. Well, his mate did because I took him down. He bought um, a car from this guy in Western on Auto Trader. So on Saturday, I had to take him down uh, to buy yeah. his car, right? Um, to make sure he sort of checked it out the MOT and all that and all that sort of thing. My, my lad's mate. So he bought this car now, right? And then got lost on the way back from Western and went through Bristol. And because it's an old car, you got caught on the uh, congestion. Ah, it's like 20, is it 10 quid or something? Uh, yeah, something like that. Nine, nine, nine quid, quid, something like that. My, my, both my cars are all right, but my brother-in-law's car isn't. But, uh, yeah, well, it's the, it's the policy that, uh, out to save the environment. The poor must pay. Yeah. The yeah. poor must pay. We're not going to talk about that today, though. No, we're not going to talk, talk about, about that. I, we're not going to go down that. There is a bit in the Bristol Post, though. That's, that highlights the areas in Bristol that where the pollution has gone up as a direct result of the uh, congestion zone. <laughs> okay. So it might have lowered it in the centre, but it's just pushed the problem elsewhere. So it, it, so the, the poor must pay the cars and also as well suffer... And suffer the, the pollution, pollution in the areas does. where they live. But as long as the people the people that matter are okay. Okay, fine. Yeah. yeah. That's all we've got to say about that. Um, so what have I done? Uh, well, I went down to Western. That's about it. Um yeah, I've done a lot this week, really. That was quite fun, no, did that. I've spent a lot of time with your wife this week. Yeah, you have, haven't you? Yeah. I have. I've been on a couple of meetings with her online. Yeah. I think but, you um, see more of her than I have, haven't you? Well, I think so, probably. Yeah, you've been doing this, uh, getting ready for this conference. We should mention it, really, shouldn't we? Yeah. yeah tomorrow. Diocesan Discipleship Day that, that is meant to be making people think about whether or not they want to set up a rule of life to deepen their... Well, we do talk about that. With God. Yeah, so it's a good day. We do talk about that in the in a minute. We'll be talking about rule of life because you're talking about my rule of life with uh, Charles Gore, isn't it? Yeah. He's the founder of the community of the resurrection. That's the community I'm uh, a member of, uh, which yeah. is good. Monastic community. What else are we talking about? We talk about um, the first of Jesus's signs. When he turns water water into wine. Water into wine. And we talk about um, the Wheel of Time. Which is a new uh, fantasy. Well, not new. It's a fantasy. It's been about a couple of years, actually. Yeah, on uh, on Amazon Prime. 
Uh, so hold on to your hats for the new music which Dave has sent me, which apparently is good. Right, so we're continuing this week with our heroes of the faith, and it's one of my big heroes this week. Yeah. Charles Gore, who is um, the founder of the Community of the Resurrection, um, who are the people who train me and uh, for the priesthood in, in Murfield. And I'm a member of the... I'm a companion of the Resurrection. So right. uh, you can see up there, Dave, you can see our little badge with the the light, um, flag on next to the holy water. I can yeah. see the holy water. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's my badge. I don't wear it because the clip has gone on the back, and I don't right, want to okay. lose it. Yeah. So I'm a companion of. The... I thought it was because you took that one off to put the Mother's Union one on. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I've got a rule of life. So um, I, I have a guardian up in the um, up in the community. So the I have guardian. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have to give account of my rule of life to to him. Right. Okay. Uh, well, which he's delegated to my spiritual director, so I don't have to go. Up all there right. All the fair time, enough. Yeah. 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 So I have to give an account of my once a year. I have to give an account of my uh, how I failed to keep the rule uh, to my guardian. Basically, yeah. that's the point of having a rule is to to fail at it and then be told that's oh, okay. So it's it's just a way of pulling you back onto the. I, I'm not sure that's what the point of a rule of life is. Well, that's what Father George told me, and he's just got... to fail at it. Yeah, I mean, you will fail at it; it's inevitable. Yeah, but I thought the idea of it was that you persevered at it and that you gave it your best shot, and then then that would draw you closer to God on a daily basis, not so as you could fail at it. No, but that's part of the same thing. Is well, you yeah. strive, but you will always fail. Yeah. Is the trouble with rules sometimes is that we get wound up about it and we feel as though they're not there to make us feel bad. They're there to draw us back to the mercy of God. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit like uh, at the gym now, right? It's January, isn't it? So you got all the it's January, January guys. All the January guys. Yeah, yeah they drive the people who are going to pay a year's membership and they won't be there by the 5th of February. I know, they need to hurry up and go away, to be fair. It's so annoying. Uh, it's, 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 you can't get on anything. It's, it's everywhere, and it's just so annoying. But anyway, so uh, but they turn up, and they, they construct their own rule that they, they're going to go to the gym like five times a week or whatever and all that, don't they? Yeah. And then fail. But because they fail, they then go – they feel guilty about failing, so then they don't come back. So that's what Father George was on about with a rule is there to fail at because it's okay to fail. Because the rule just drags you back towards the mercy of God. You don't think you're getting a bit confused between um, accepting failure too lightly and and not putting on yourself unnecessary guilt here? Uh, people, people feel guilty that they've not been to the gym after making a commitment. Yeah, they do, yeah. And that guilt stops them going back that's right yeah that shouldn't happen with a rule of life but it does though if you're not careful spiritually god balanced rule of life yeah but if you've got a rule of life which is which has got mercy as a central value then then it's it is okay to fail 
That's the whole point of Christianity. It's okay to fail. I think it's okay to fail, but you shouldn't set out to do so. No, no, you can't set out to, to do so. You set out to keep the rule, but you're never going to do it, which is why I give an account once a year to say, this is how I failed to keep the rule this year, and these are the things I'm going to put in place to make sure I try and keep it better next year. Right. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. So you'd be something like, for example, um, when there's a change of circumstances, like, say, my missus got a new job in it, right? So evening prayer becomes a bit more awkward sometimes now because I used to do it at a certain time before she came home. Yeah. But now she comes home earlier, so now I've got to work out how I do evening prayer, you know. Have you tried telling her to wait in the car until you finished? No. <laughs> that wouldn't work, no. But do you know what I mean? So those sorts of things is that when our circumstances change, we need to change our rules yeah, or how we do absolutely. things yeah. uh, to reflect that. But Charles Gore, getting back to him, yeah. um, do you want to read out the thing for Charles Gore? Because you've got the yeah, thing Yeah, if there. you want. Yeah, go on. He was born in 1835, and he became one of the most influential Anglican theologians. He helped reconcile the church to some aspects of biblical criticism and scientific discovery yet was Catholic in his interpretation of the faith and sacraments. He was also concerned to bring Catholic principles to bear on social problems. As an Oxford Don and then as Canon of Westminster, he was renowned for his preaching. In the 1890s, he was the founder and first leader of the Community of the Resurrection, Hooray! which in later years settled in Murfield in Yorkshire. From 1902... He was successively Bishop of Worcester, Birmingham and Oxford, retiring in 1919. He was much mourned at his death on the 17th of January, 1932. There we go. He's nearly 100. We're into the more modern times now. Yeah, yeah, he's Victorian. What, What exciting holiness does is it says... This person was born in about the year, and it never knows what year they were born, but always is very specific about the day that they died, because the day of death was more important than the day of birth. Yeah. Um, but, but because this is more modern... Well, he's, um, he's Victorian, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll say a bit about him. Like I say, he founded the community and tried to uh, reinvigorate uh, monasticism or monks within the Anglican Communion. So there was quite a lot of people who were doing similar things uh, in the Victorian ages. Yeah. Um, also with uh, convents and things. So Timaur, which is the convent I go to to see my spiritual director on the way to Monmouth. That's Society of the Sacred Cross. Right. That's a um, uh, kind of Victorian order. So there's a big movement around that time in Anglo-Catholicism to restart uh, monastic orders. Yes. Yeah. Because monasticism in the UK was destroyed by Henry VIII, wasn't it? Yeah. Where he came in and stole um, all the land, basically, for himself or to hand out to his his buddies, as it were. So Charles Gore uh, was a theologian. I'll talk a little bit about the science bits and stuff in a minute. But he founded the community in Murfield, um, where his idea was that, or the idea of the community is the resurrection isn't just a future event. The resurrection is an event in the here and now, yeah. right? So what we have to do through social action, right, is make the resurrection real today. Yeah. So you might, this is basically 
massively influenced me. So that's why they moved to Yorkshire, to one of the poorer ends of uh, of Britain in Murfield, so they could make the resurrection real for the, the poor people in uh, in Murfield. So they deliberately moved somewhere which was not great, as it were. So they yeah. didn't want to be kind of there in an ivory tower in Oxford, as it were. They wanted to go to the business end of things. And the reason they started the college is they wanted people from different types of backgrounds to offer themselves for the priesthood. So they were pioneers of trying to get working-class people into the Anglican priesthood. Right, okay. So that's their big thing. They used to have a hostel in Leeds that that was um, part of that uh, for Leeds University. And their house in South Africa, um, they were massively involved in the... Um, they trained like Desmond Tutu. They had a, a house in South Africa as well, in Johannesburg. Oh, they right. trained Desmond Tutu and uh, they were heavily involved in the anti-apartheid movement. So a couple of the, the brethren um, spent some time in Robin Island with, um, you know... Um, you know, they they were they were sent to jail for contempt yeah. of court and stuff. So they are amazing people uh, and an amazing community, uh, and they're very very real and honest. Um, and do you think it's it's stuck to its root? Yeah, I think it has. I think it's it's kind of like a teaching order in the sense of like they're very involved in the intellectual side of it. But their big idea is that everything we do is theology. So theology isn't just the books. Theology is actually doing the gardening, uh, doing the social action, doing the pastoral care. So they link study and the kind of more academic stuff to real, you know, social action, bringing the resurrection year today. Yeah. So they had Kiaradi and um, spoke there. In they have this big amphitheater there, and they had. uh, they were involved in um, women's suffrage and, you know, the uh, votes for women. Uh, yeah. Emily Pank. So Emily Panker's sister became a nun. Oh, right. Yeah. So she's not a big, they're not big heroes of secularism. But they weren't too keen on the terrorist element of the um, uh, votes for women lot, to be fair. Um, but there you go. No. It's not well known, though, is it? They used to burn people's houses down and stuff like that. No, I don't think it is, no. No. But no, so I think that was his idea that that community coming together in community is is where you learn about God and you develop this rule and break it together with other people. Yeah, but there's something about holding each other to account in that. Well, that's why. And things are easier when you do them with other people. Yeah, that's why. Even if you look at going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. If you started to go to the gym with somebody in January, right? Mm. And they were um, frugal like me. Yeah, and you both signed up to pay for a year because it's pretty hard to get out of it once you've signed in mm. in most gyms, and and then that person didn't want to come in February. I'd be in, I'd be annoyed. I'd yeah, be holding yeah, them to account. Yeah, like, all right, yeah. when are we going? You know, we got to go three times a week to make it worth the money. So, well, yeah, well, that's why we yeah. do it. Like my daughter's a member and my missus is, so we go together. Yeah. So that way, between the three of us. We actually, and we did join as a couple as well when we joined a few years ago, because then we do hold each other to to account. Yeah. Because, like you're right, is it is always easier doing things, not easier, but it. I think discipline. If we all, if we have mutual accountability, 
I think better but things happen. Your they? your wife being there, right? Yeah, is not going to make you lift any more weight or do more repetitions of whatever it is you're doing cardio, right? No, it's not going to. No, but it does give you the encouragement to turn up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that, so. It doesn't make it any easier. It, the, but the first hurdle to doing anything is is setting yourself into doing it, showing with up with a like, good heart mm. and with the right intention. Yeah, showing up. Yeah, showing, showing up. up. If you don't show up, you're not going to do it. No, and I think that's what the Charles Gorn, this whole monastic thing, is all about. Is about people doing things together, holding each other to account, and being merciful to each other. Yeah, because when you live in community, it's a bit like. Big brother, really. You find out who you are. Yeah. Yeah? Like, there's this awful song that we sing. I've just come from Refresh with the kids, where they have this, like, under-five service. Right yeah. There. And there's an awful song they sing um, about Jesus, and he goes, he knows just who I am. And I thought, oh, dear, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I said to the woman next to her, I don't like that. He knows just who you are. Yeah. And when you live with people, it's like a big family, isn't it? Yeah. They know who you are. That's how you find out who you are, is by yeah. being in relationship with others. Yeah. Yeah. And what uh, you find out isn't very nice. I'm just going to draw us back to that, Sorry, that social action bit. Mm. He was keen on social action. He was keen on making that, because that's part of making the word flesh, isn't it? Yeah. That's, you know, we do things in thought, in word, in deed. Um, and if we don't do them indeed, then the words are pretty empty. Well, that's right. So they, they uh, say about, uh, I think, some of the ones who went to, um, like Steve Biko's missus came to uh, one of the funerals when I was there. Uh, one of the older brethren died and she came, his widow came. And that's how they put things into action, isn't it? Yeah. Is they said that apartheid is wrong and racial justice is is important. And it's that famous story about um, uh, Trevor Undleston, who's another one of the brethren. He was Bishop of London in the seventies, I think. Um, is he went into the? He was told he wasn't allowed in the black township. Yeah. But he went in and he tipped his hat to this woman to show he showed respect to her, and that woman was Desmond Tutu's mum. Oh right. So Desmond Tutu then saw, and it's those little things yeah. where we show indeed what we, who we are, what we yeah. make Jesus visible. Yeah, it? that's the thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so yeah, but I think you need the theology, the study, in order to do that. Sometimes, I think you need the study to really put in place why you're doing it, yeah. who it's for, yeah. What it is you're trying to show, who you're trying to show, otherwise you end up just showing yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well is it it shows how theology, like learning about Jesus, learning about the Bible, the the point to that is to put it into practice. But if you don't know the stories, you don't know the the principles behind it. You can't put those principles into action, can you? Well, I think that's quite important what you just said there, because it's not about knowing the stories. It's about some people yeah. are really, really good at knowing Bible stories, mm. but what they're not really good is at actually working out why those stories exist and what it is they're meant to be teaching you, because it just becomes a bit fairy tale. It's embodying the story in yourself and the yeah. community, isn't it? Because Charles Gore did this um, 
famous sermon he did about uh, emptying Christ, emptying himself, and yeah. being the servant of many, servant of all, basically. That, yeah. that the name of Jesus, right? And he, he developed a lot of theology around that, and that's again why they moved to to Murfield, is that um, it's about us losing power, making ourselves vulnerable in order to serve others, yeah. and that's the essence of who God is. Is the yeah. servant king in it? Yeah, but I think you can only understand that if you put it into practical action. I think. Yeah, that makes sense in little ways, you know. Um, so, like serving your brethren, like if you eat with other people who are annoying uh, for three years, then you've got to serve people who get on your nerves. Yeah. And that's that's what community living's about, really. It's about serving people who get on your nerves and are annoying. Yeah, when I th- find the hardest thing about that is that 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 you have to pray that you change, not that they change. Yeah, that's troublesome. That's annoying. That's when they're the annoying one, why am I praying that I change? Yeah, that's right. Why do I need to be more tolerant? Why can't they just? Stop being annoying. Stop being annoying, yeah. Yeah, why does that... And I think what, what you do find in community is that you find out how petty you are. Do you know what I mean? It's just, just like little things. You see that in Big Brother, isn't it? Yeah. It's not big things that, are, that cause us to fall into sin. It's little things. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's what you discover um, by living in community. And I think the bit of the thing that'll strike you if you ever do meet the monks is how honest they are. There's no cringy sort of, oh, everything's, you know, rainbows and unicorns and everything's lovely and I love Jesus so much. You don't get any of that. You don't get right. any of that. You get a... The only thing I would say, you know, like when you meet an old couple who they've been married like 60 years or something and one of them's died and they talk about each other in a really honest and yeah. loving way, but it's yeah. never soppy, is it? Well... Not normally, no. No, no, they'd say, oh, you used to drive me mad. Yeah. And I think that's that's the difference. Is And that's what I think what we need to go for, really, is that real love. Yeah. That's what Jesus I just remembered like. a really bad joke, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> I can't remember where it's I It's not like you it. not to have a bad joke, is it? There's this old couple. They're celebrating 70 years of marriage. And the great grandchild of, of, of these people goes up to the to the lady and she says if you if you made it to seventy years without ever thinking about getting a divorce and the old lady says Divorce? No, I've never thought about that. Murder many times, but divorce never <laughs> Do you know that's just reminded me now. Is uh, I'll say this, but they won't mind, right? Is um the community of the resurrection did a video, right, documentary back in the nineties, right, that you could get from the college yeah. um, library, and it was we used to call it the video nasty because it was just so funny because they were so honest about things, and there was a wonderful bit where they were interviewing Father George, and he said on camera, "Oh, well, if there was a murder in this community." Everybody would be a suspect. <laughs> like that is just like really, <laughs> but it's true though. Yeah, uh, but I think that's the that's the reality. So uh, that's Charles Gore. 
uh, started the community of the resurrection. I'll put a link into um, the Murfield boys. You can have a have a look at them. Uh, and uh, if you are an ordinand or thinking about ordination and you want to do uh, Hell Week, which is Holy Week in Murfield, um, you can go along to that. They're looking for people to go along to it. It's I mean, it's the the best and the worst thing you can possibly do. Maybe I'll talk a bit more about. We used to, you know, in the Marines, yeah, they have yeah. Hell Week where they eat worms and stuff like yeah. that. That's why we used to call it Hell Week, not Holy Week. Right. Because it's just intense. Yeah. In the Marines. So thanks for listening to those Vicar Blokes. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe uh, to us on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, and if you're listening on uh, Substack, please leave a comment. And I am investigating the merch. Right. Yeah, I yeah. am investigating buying merch or finding out how we could do merch. That would be funny. It would be good. You could have a badge or a hat or something. That would be really funny uh, to see what you can do for the merch. Right, so this week we're continuing uh, our discussions about epiphany because it's the epiphany season. Yeah. Where epiphany means to show, to reveal uh, who Jesus is. So we've done the wise men, uh, the magi, and last week we did about the baptism of Jesus. We talked about vocation, didn't we? Yeah. Well, this week we got the third uh, great mystery of the epiphany, which is the water into the wine. So, Dave, yeah, the first of Jesus' miracles. Yeah. It said so at the end of it. Did it? Oh, yeah, yeah it this did, yeah. the first of Jesus' miracles, yeah. It's the first sign from Signs John. Signs and wonders, from, yeah. So do you want to say what happened, in case people don't know? Uh, they were at a party. Yeah? Um, a wedding party. And um, and the wine ran out, and that's a big embarrassment if you're the the organisers, the you know, the, the bride and the groom, well, the groom particularly, and you haven't provided enough wine for all the people you've invited. So, um, so Mary... Mother of Jesus says to Jesus, the wine's running out. And he says, what's that got to do with me, basically? Mm. Why do I care? Mind your own business. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, well, you can sort it out. And he says, my time's not come yet. And she says, well, it has, actually. Crack on. And then tells the servants there to do whatever Jesus tells them. So he goes to get... He sends them to get the stone water jars used for the rites of purification. Um, fills them with water. How big are these jars? Ah, uh, can't remember. Thirty to forty gallons. Yeah, so it's huge. Yeah, they're big. They're big ones. Yeah, big, big, huge things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure they used gallons as a measurement back. Well, then, yeah, they? it says on that's the translation. But yeah, big, huge things. Yeah. So off they go and get these. Fill them up with the water, and then when the steward tastes it, it's it's the best wine he's tasted and it's like calls the bridegroom over and says why are you serving the good wine now when they're all already drunk you've got it wrong mm. so there that was jesus turning that water into wine and saving somebody else's wedding party yeah so um a lot of the time in the popular culture this is seen as like a magic trick yeah why? Why is? Have you it... ever been at a church where they show the water being poured into the thing, and then when they pour it out, it adds a little bit of black currant in the bottom? Very Sunday school, that. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that cheap, tells it's cheapening the miracle as well. 
I, I don't like that because it, no. it makes it look like a magic trick when it's yeah. not. So do you want to say why it's not a magic trick? Because there was no magic involved. Yeah. There's a big distinction between a miracle and a magic trick. And a magic trick means it needs to have been set up in advance and to know that it's going to work and for there to be some outside influence that causes the the illusion of something happening. But it's Whereas not, this isn't an illusion, this is a reality. Partly, yeah. But the other thing is as well, it's not set up like a magic trick because it's not done in sort of... Uh, in that flim flam way, so he doesn't. Jesus didn't try and say, "Excuse me, I'm going to turn the water into wine," and he does it like no, a. Ma- that's like very a- true. Yeah, it was done quite secretively because actually, not even the servants who drew the water knew, knew what was going on. No, nobody knew what was happening, no. did they? It's only afterwards that they realised what was happening. Yeah. So it wasn't like kind of like, oh, this is what's all I'm going to do now. I'm going to turn this water into wine. Alakazam, boof. Well, it's all it part of yeah. that Jesus not being a showboater, isn't it, really? Yeah. You know, because whenever he does anything, well, not whenever. I think there's, in most cases, we have a bit in, in all of his miracles where he says, but don't tell anybody. It's all very understated, isn't it? Yeah. A lot, a lot of the miracles are quite understated. They're not flim-flam men, sort of. It's not that sort of showing-off thing, is there? It's not like that at all. No, it's not, no. And it's only... It's a bit similar to the uh, feeding of the 5,000, isn't it? It's only in the servants cooperating or the disciples cooperating what Jesus tells them to do that the miracle actually happens. And they don't really... What are you saying? They did it, not him? Hmm? Well, they did it together, didn't they? Because they went and Well, killed... I suppose they did, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like when he says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. Yeah. So Jesus works in cooperation with the stewards. He asks them to fill up the jars with water, and then they become wine. But if they went like, well, I'm not filling up those massive jars full of water, the problem is there's no wine, mate. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's that going to do? Why should I bother doing all this work, filling up these massive jars here for you. Because he never said, oh, fill up the jars and I'll turn it into wine. So he's not interested in working on his own. He's only interested in working in partnership. Yeah. In this particular example. In most examples. Yeah, in most examples, Jesus and God, in the Old Testament, it's God and Jesus in the New Testament, works in partnership with his disciples. So through ordinary human beings. Yeah, just like us. And he always reveals himself through asking us to do something we don't don't want to do is difficult and risky, and we don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the other interesting thing is that he he does what his mother tells him. Still, he does. He does. Always listen to your mother. Yeah. You know, that's what I said. Is is um is that thing when I was a kid? It was the joke that uh, what Valley dads were like. They were. Men that sat behind the Western Mail, you know, behind the paper, and they would say, "Listen to your mother, listen to your mother." So if he said that, you knew there would be trouble if he had to pull his paper down yeah. to sort you out, like you know. That's the thing. Listen to your mother. That's why Jesus Valley Boy, isn't he? That's the thing, isn't it? You know, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> but yeah, but then, but then, what's that got? Have a think, then, Dave. What's that got to do with? 
the Annunciation with Mary and the angel. Have a think. Well, there's an element there where part of our parenthood is to get our children ready to to do what it is they need to do in the world. Yeah. And sometimes they need a little bit of a push in the right direction. Yeah. And this was Jesus getting his push in the right direction. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's the sign of being a good parent, or one of the many signs of being a good parent, is when when your kids are well-adjusted enough to do what it is they need to do to get on in the world. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. And as well, I, th- I think it's to do with Mary is the first Christian, in the sense that she's the first person to say yes to God and for Jesus to be born inside her, in the same way we say yes to God and Jesus is born within us. Yeah? Yeah. Right? And Mary understands in a very intimate way the the message of God because it's actually physically happened to her, right? And I think that's why, you know, she says, go and do it. She gives him that encouragement, but she understands sometimes what his mission is. Go yeah. and do it. Do you see what I mean? So so Jesus is working in partnership with his mom and then in partnership with the with the stewards. Yeah. It's the opposite of magic. Christianity is the opposite. People often think Christianity is like magic and miracles are like magic and they're not. And I think this this miracle is where most people of a cultural understanding of Christianity uh, think, oh, it's just like a magic trick. It's just like God magic in something. And then we perpetuate that in churches by making Ribena. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's the thing, is that we understand God as a magical, almost a Greek God, that that magic is our problems away, magic's our life better, uh, and and that's what we want. But that isn't who God is. God wants to work in partnership with us to to make the new wine. Yeah. It's not, yeah, because Christianity is against magic. It's a, you know, it's a, yeah, but that's a difficult thing to understand when something, something so significant happens in that way. I mean, yeah, right. There's an element that you can do things that are impossible when you, when when you when you do the things that that you're called to do by God. I get that, but it's difficult for us for a for a human understanding never mind of faith or secular to understand that the principles behind what's going on there because something magical or unexplainable has occurred we want to explain it all away yeah yeah we want to explain how the humans made it work whether it was jesus or the servants draw in the water. We want to understand how it worked because that's the way that we're programmed is to understand how things work. We're not okay with mystery. I think that's the modern humans. We've been trained to see things like that, I think, is to, to understand. Because we're enlightened. Yeah. And we can't stand not being enlightened <laughs> about everything. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we are, but uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's that idea that we have to understand it. So we have to, it, it's almost, this is a strange thing is that we live in a very dogmatic world where it's not that it is that that miracle couldn't have happened because miracles don't happen. And but the experience of human beings is that miracles do happen, not very yeah. often, right? But they do happen. There's a wonderful book called Miracles, where people have gone around the world uh, investigating yeah. lots and lots of miracles, and and they've investigated them and they found that they're true, right? Um, but we we we're brought up with this dogma that um, those things don't happen, and that's just a dogma, isn't it? Yeah. So if all the evidence says that that they did, right? That doesn't matter because it it is that dogmatic position of no. And that's why people go on about it being a magic trick. Yeah. Or people think of it as a um Yeah, of of a, a miracle as a magic trick. So why did Jesus what's the deeper meaning behind the water into wine? Why did he do that? Because there's a deeper it's a sign, isn't it? He did it to make a point. What's the point he's making? That's an interesting question. What would you say the point he's trying to make is? It's the new covenant, the new testament. Is the the jars that he says to go and fill up for the water the purification rites of the Jews, right? Were used to purify themselves before they went into the temple to do sacrifices yeah. and stuff, right? So he turns that water into wine, and that wine is better than the the previous water. So he's saying that. Do you think this is a foretaste of what's to come? Yeah, that's the whole point. Is it's a foretaste? There's no Eucharist. Uh, there's sorry. There's no um, Last Supper narrative with the bread and wine in um, John's Gospel. So this is like the Eucharist in a sense. The same right. as the feeding of the five thousand. I'd ever tied that in, but that makes a lot of sense. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of like he, 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 it's an over-the-top promise, a bit like all the other promises of God, is he turns not just the Old Test, old Covenant with the water into wine, and that's nice. It's the best wine, and it points towards the Eucharist, the Last Supper, and it also points to the... So it's not just a case of turning the ordinary into extraordinary. It's not that. No. The, the fact that they're the water jars of purification, they're they're ritualistic in a different ritual. Yeah. And that ritual is now transformed. Just like he does with the Last through Supper. the wine that is the blood. Yeah, That's no, right. Really. So just like he does with the Last Supper, which is a Passover meal, he transforms the Passover meal into the Eucharist because there's a new covenant. So he takes things... It's a that, remarkable number of things happen at celebrations, aren't there, with Jesus? Yeah. It's a bottomless story. It just keeps on going. Even in those few words, the, the meaning behind each of those things like, is just phenomenal. And even, yeah. even the, um, the new wine that, 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 that he gives, right, is that points towards heaven because the Eucharist is a foretaste of heaven. So it's saying, this is the promise I give to you. Yeah. And that's going back to Charles Gore and the resurrection, the, is that is that if the Eucharist is the foretaste of heaven, the Eucharist should give us the power to make 
this world a bit more like heaven day by day. So we can be like those servants, transforming water into wine by doing what Jesus says. We can be transformative in the world. Yeah. So the, this story isn't about magic. This story is what's inspired those monks on Robin Island in South Africa who stood up to apartheid and yeah. the other ones who stand up to um, who used to stand to Mugabe standing up for injustice yeah. in our world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah? Yeah. Transforming ordinary into extra old yeah. into new and all that. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's quite a good one actually. Yeah, so that's what the water in the wine's about, I think. Any other questions about it or we could talk about that all day and go on and on and on. Um And don't be offended if you've ever done that Ribena trick. No. If you've used it in the proper context of trying to explain the story to children. I've done that. If you try to explain away a miracle. I've done that. It's a messy church thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not it, it's not a bad thing to do. It's just you... Well, it's telling a story. Yeah. So there's a difference between telling a story and, and explaining away a miracle. Yeah. And none of the kids are foolish enough to realise it's not Robina. Yeah. I think the thing is with it, it's not... Um, it's this idea of it being about just about magic while Jesus is trying to explain a deeper message to us through action. Yeah. You know, um, the point of it is a sign that points to uh, heaven and the Eucharist and everything else. So in a minute, we're going to talk about, um, what's it? Uh, The Wheel of Time. That's it, yeah. Thanks for listening to those Vicar Blokes. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you are, click like, click subscribe, follow us on Twitter. And tell your friends how good we are. And if we're not that good, tell them they should listen to us anyway, just for the laugh. Yeah, how bad it is. Right, Dave, um, you said this, you'd be nice to me, innit, by saying this, the wheel of time. The wheel of time. Yeah. So I looked at it and I thought, oh, that'll be right up your street, you'll like that. Well, yeah. And then there was blood and guts in the first episode. I like that bit. Do you yeah. know? <laughs> but I actually thought it was a bit boring. <laughs> I said, I can't believe Dave's got me watching this. This is really boring. Oh. Oh, and then the uh, blood and guts came and you thought, oh, that's better. Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. this big battle started. Like, oh, actually, this is quite good. Yeah. It's just like, so do you want to say a little bit about the world Wheel of Time and Dave, how it works and what's it about and stuff? Oh, well, I've seen the whole of the first season now. Oh, That's right. Eight hours of my life I've donated to that. Flipping heck. To this podcast. I put it all as work time. Uh, <laughs> I've already seen two hours of, so yeah, but it's quite so, good. There's an order of very powerful women that come from the White Tower. Um, and they all have these powers. And one of these turns up at this Two Rivers village community where it seems to be a community gathered from various other places to live in what's meant to be a peaceful, nice, pleasant place to be. Um, and then this woman turns up with her um, her protector. What are they called? It's like a bodyguard. Like, yeah. yeah. they got a name. Yeah, just like the Shire it. in The Lord of the Rings. Just like the Shire in The Lord of the Rings. It is yeah. a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, Lord just of like the Rings Gandalf come into the Shire in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. 
so anyway, this mysterious woman arrives, and then, um, and then the forces of evil arrive in the form of of trollusks. Just like the orcs in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it even looked like them, yeah. And so she needs to use her powers to defeat them and to save some of the village, but lots of her already dead. And yeah. Then, then it starts to focus around um, seven characters that are drawn out of that village. To, just like to the work. Fellowship of the Ring, yeah. Just like the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because so, they're all from different races, aren't they? But they somehow ended up, or different backgrounds, but yeah. they somehow ended up there, yeah. And and so it, it focuses to try and work out which one of them is is the new dragon, the dragon reborn. Just like Game um, of Thrones. To save the world. Yeah, that's it. But it was written before Game of Thrones. Was it? Oh. Game of Thrones books were inspired by the Wheel of Time. Were they? They were. Ah. So actually, it's not a rip-off of Game of Thrones. It's the other way around. Ah, okay. The, the programs came out in the opposite order, but the, right, the books okay. came out in Yeah, it was a Wheel 60s book, wasn't it? Is it a 60s book or 70s book? I don't know how book? it is. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah. So it all focuses around these lives with, with with the fight between um, the 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 way of light and the way of dark. Yeah. And you've got people who who are pretending they're people of light when they're people of dark, and yeah, it's all these mixed in bits. And well, the people who are meant to be a bit like the church, those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, really, they're only interested in their own power and not. Yeah, in... and they burn someone at the stake. You're like, oh, yawn. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. I always thought you'd have loved all of that. Oh no, I don't mind it. I think it was just a bit of a. I think I I did like it. Um, it was. I think sometimes it, it was a bit similar to Lord of the Rings and other things, especially like when. when I the... find it an easier watch. When they were fight, when they were, there's this bit where the the evil sort of like troll things were fight were were chasing them, isn't it? Yeah. They were on horses, and they had to escape across a, a ferry across a bridge, and that's just like when the um, the ring wraiths were chasing the hobbits in Fellowship of the Ring, and they escape over the you know. So it's just like kind of like. Yeah, but did they create a big whirlpool that then the boat? No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that bit. That's good. That was exciting. I quite like this. It. It's a good watch. On and Amazon then the debate Prime. about whether or not the ferryman they killed him or whether he killed himself. See, and he made a bad choice and he ended up dead. Yeah, because he wanted to go back and save his son, but in in going back to saving his son, he'd just be killed by them, and then the orcs would be yeah. able, not the orcs, whatever they're called, Trollocs. Trollocs. Not Trollops. Trollocs would come back over. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, and the other thing, the reason it's called Wheel of Time is this idea of reincarnation is that they, they're a society that believes in reincarnation, aren't they? Yeah. So, But every now and again, a dragon is born who yeah. is reincarnated from the last dragon that died, and they're trying to find out who this dragon person is, basically, isn't it? That's, yeah. the, um, that's the guts behind it. Um, There's a really good bit in the last episode of season one um, where it is very similar to... Uh, the, the temptations of Jesus by by the devil. Oh right, yeah. Um, but you got you got a long way to go till you get oh, there. I'll get to that. Yeah. But yes, yeah, it's, it's really good and effective. Where he's held captive by the by the the devil character in effect. And oh yeah, because he has a... to choose between the easy. You can have all of this promised kingdom. All this can be yours, or you can do the right thing and and you. It's all all the unknown. You know. Yeah, 
But that's the interesting thing, though, isn't it? Is that all of these um, fantasy stories and most stories really have this Harry Potter's the same, isn't it? Where it's basically evil versus good versus evil, and all these Christian ideas uh, are all wrapped up in there. Yeah. So, like in this, for example, the Trollusks are obviously evil because they're all black. They look evil. They they're aggressive. That sort of thing. Yeah. You know, um, and when they turn up, darkness comes with them, and it, yeah. so they're very much like the orcs, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. And I love Tolkien's idea because he's a deeply Christian writer. The orcs used to be elves. But because of the evil that they've done in their lives and the pain and suffering that they'd suffered, because they'd been, like, tortured, they became orcs. Right. So I yeah. don't think that goes... The, the, that sort of thing isn't in this. No. But this idea that evil can and goodness can change how we look and how we are and our environment... Uh, changes. It's quite good, actually. So when evil comes in, the environment changes, doesn't it? Yeah. It stops being a beautiful, green pasture place. And these things come in, and it becomes black and dark and horrible. Yeah. And so I think that's that's a very interesting and Christian way of looking at things. Yeah. So do you think that people sort of change how they look when they're... Well, I think, I think what was in... He, he, to an extent, yeah, they change the way they present. Yeah, not necessarily as simplistic as you know. You start wearing darker clothes because let's be honest, dark clothes are slimming, so they're often good—a good idea anyway. <laughs> um, but but I think they change the way that they present to the world when when you choose between good and bad. Yeah, I think sometimes. I think sometimes when people have been hurt a lot in their lives, um, especially when they've been betrayed a lot and things like that, and um, they do one change of, how they how they present. One of the characters in this is is essentially good. Yeah, but he's gone through a lot of pain and a lot of trauma, and 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 he's been more aware of that than some of the others, and 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 he's more susceptible to to the dark being drawn into the dark. And if you were to put it into human terms, you you'd say that this guy was suffering some from a real serious depression. And so the way that his friends then perceive him and worry about him and show concern for him um yeah takes on a different yeah Frodo. And and it affects everybody else. Yeah, just like Frodo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly because I think that this idea, I think that's the thing is it when bad things, I don't know. That's the same as Frodo, but still, that's by the by. Yeah, he's just more Eeyore. Yeah, he is a bit. But I think the thing is with it is that what it's trying to say. I think that that when bad things happen to us, there's a temptation in there to things like despair, bitterness, resentment. Yeah, and I think that evil uses those little resentments, that little, to to draw us down the wrong path. Yeah. Because evil doesn't happen overnight. It's something that kind of you just get gradually drawn down. Well, you do. The dark road, you do. don't you? Um, 
But I think that you can also be a product of your environment. So in this little Two Rivers village where it's all nice and cosy and everything's yeah. lovely, um, that's not where the trollusks grew up, is it? No. Um, and so therefore you can become a product of where, where you are and what your environment is. And we shouldn't ignore that. But that in itself, though, is... I'm, all, I'm always a bit unsure about that, though, because... That in itself is is true, but also as well, we do have agency, we do have choices. Yeah, and I, we see that a lot more in this program from the people that are born in the nicer, more pleasant stuff. Yeah, is that they have the choice to go to the the darkness. I think sometimes if you're in the darkness, it's more difficult to transform to the light. But you always have a choice, isn't it? You have a choice. I think it's a tougher choice to make. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's. Yeah, it, 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 I think there's that that sort of stuff always bothers me a bit because what happens sometimes is that you end up expecting less of people because of where they're from. I think yeah, I think that's a huge danger. I think that is the reality where people, um, people. People expect things of different, like like um, in the reading the other week. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah. And what we have all the time in the Gospels and in the Old Testament is God speaking to and calling the wrong people. God doesn't call the people we expect. That's the thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. He always call, and his his call is always diverse. Yeah. So if the disciples be around today, one of the apostles around today, one of them will be from Eton and another one would be from the northeast or something. Yeah. But we think that 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 are like that thing about the environment and stuff. We we have these preconceived ideas about um what sometimes a nice environment draws us down into a different type of evil. Yeah. But we're not comfortable thinking about that. So the evil we saw with these trollusks is an obvious evil of kind of, um, you know, kind of aggression, fighting, killing people, that sort of stuff. But the evil that's in those white guys were meant to be a bit like the church is a bit le- a bit more hidden, isn't it? Yeah. It's not hidden because I bet you if we read the books, it'd be a bit more hidden. But because they're trying to go like, oh, look, it's the Christians. They pretend to be nice, but they're not. But because it's got that thing to it, you're a bit more kind of. Ugh. But they're meant to be that sort of character, aren't they? They're wearing white, but they're not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's like in American politicians now; they all seem to be wearing white all the time. The women do, don't they? Do they? No, yeah. I've noticed. Oh yeah, they've got this big that. thing now. Yeah, like interviewers and stuff. They 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 wear white all the time. Oh, I've not seen. Have that. you seen that interview with Donald Trump? I've only seen a clips of it where there's this woman who's interviewing him. And she's wearing like all white. Well, he probably put it on his request. No, no, she she done that you, by her choice. Even she chose to wear an outfit, and he didn't dictate it. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I think that was all part of her thing, but she was trying to set herself up as the good person. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was the bad person, so it's a bit like that, isn't it? So sometimes evil is a bit more difficult to see, isn't it? Yeah. Not with Donald Trump, though. He's quite obvious. Just offended all the Trump fans now, if there's any Trump fans out there. Well, (sighs) maybe he's just misguided. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, we we should make it a policy not to talk. We're going into 2024 now, isn't it? So we should... Yeah, uh, maybe. It could be yeah. president again soon. Yeah, so well... Uh, it might keep be relevant. Running. Yeah, okay. Right, so that's uh, Wheel of Time. Would you say it was a good, good thing well, to Well, I've watch? seen the whole of season one. So I'd say that I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Unexpectedly thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and I'll be watching season two over the next couple of weeks. I'd say it's worth a watch. But if you are a fantasy fan... Um, you just have to kind of stop yourself cringing every five minutes. Yeah, yeah but that's the same with anything. Isn't it? it is, yeah. It I is. mean, all the crime dramas are pretty similar, but I still watch most of them. Yeah, you know, there's, we often get to a place where the same story is retold in different ways, and that's the Bible for you, folks. Um, yeah, that's but, true. Uh, it's actually, also yeah. true of most of the stuff that we see on the telly now, because it can't all be completely new and completely fresh and. Yeah, I know that. I know. But sometimes I think we're just stuck on repeat sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Do you know what I mean? So Because uh, we still haven't got the message yet. No, and I think sometimes I did watch that Amazon Lord of the Rings thing they did when they cost a billion pounds. Right, I haven't seen that. Oh, so boring. And I think because it's shot in quite a similar way, I was kind of, yeah. you know what I mean? Something well, you'd have seen more of these things than I would see. Cause, I'm a nerd. Cause, yeah. <laughs> Basically... Right then, so next time we will be talking about... Let's get the, the notes up. Let's have a look. Next time we're talking about the conversion types. So how right. different, because we've got the conversion of St. Paul is next week. So we're going to be thinking about different ways in which people uh, are converted or convert. And one of my favourites, you'll have to look these guys up, the Martyrs of Japan. Right. Yeah. Look them up. They're great. Okay. It's, you might get a bit upset, though. And what are we watching on the telly? Office. Yeah, we just decided Mr. Bates versus the post office. We haven't seen that yet. No. And that might be quite interesting. And we should, because practically everybody else has. Yeah, that's right, actually. We haven't got round to watching that at all. So we'll, that's on uh, ITV, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I'll watch that, yeah. I, I've seen little bits of that. But there we go. So we'll uh, see you next time on those Vicar Blokes. Ta-da. Hey, the best in the beer.